Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, and FightfulSelect.com. This show brought to you ad-read-free by FightfulSelect.com. If you haven't checked that out, we have a ton of extra uh, exclusive podcast content over there. Today, I dropped the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. where review everything pretty much, but uh, Raw and SmackDown also have the UFC rankings update over there, my breakdown on that, how I think that that all panned out. Also, the Retro Review podcast dropped today. Great American Bash 1996. That was a real fun time. Also, a lot of like scripts. I dropped the Fightful Wrestling Weekly there early. Just a ton of stuff over there. Check it out. We're talking UFC Utica tonight. And hot damn, I'm still alive. I am thankful that that Jessica Aguilar fight got canned or else I may have fallen asleep just to (laughs) update you guys on that. Jessica Aguilar once considered one of the top women's fighters in the world. Honestly had her fight pulled with Jody Escobel just mere minutes before the show was about to start due to chapped lips. I don't know, man. Napoleon dynamite didn't get out of fighting his cage fighter brother that easily when he had chapped lips. So, I don't know why Jessica Aguilar gets a free pass. Also, judging by UFC and UFC on Fox's Twitter accounts tonight, it seemed like they had kind of checked out on their deal. There wasn't a lot of activity, uh, at least compared to the way that they usually did things. Also, during this show, man, whoo, Andrea Lee, UFC fighter, her husband, uh, she tweeted tweeted some photos of her, her and her husband uh, like out and about somewhere, and motherfuckers got Nazi tattoos. That didn't sit well. I have a hard time believing UFC will let him anywhere near their events, their official events, until he gets that covered up or something. She said that he had those applied when he was in prison. I don't know. That's been years ago. Don't know why you wouldn't get that covered up. He's got multiple. That is a messy, messy situation. Can't go running around with shit like that on your arms. Let's go ahead and talk about this show. Shorty Torres, obviously uh, a bit of a friend of Fightful. We've interviewed him like six, seven times. Easily interviewed him more than any other outlet has. Um, He got a win over Jared Brooks in what I thought was probably, as far as high-level fights go, probably number three on the depth chart behind Gillespie Pichel and Marais Rivera. The irony is neither of these guys are ranked, but Shorty Torres, the Titan FC Bantamweight and Flyweight champion against Jared Brooks, who should have went into this fight undefeated. So Shorty Torres in the UFC played chicken for a while. He's gotten a lot of offers to appear on short notice fights and Dana White's contender series. Always turned him down. He said like seven times he's turned him down and didn't want to turn them down an eighth time. Didn't want to be that guy. They kept doing that. So he accepted this fight with Jared Brooks, who is... Legit, man. It's not like it's just 
some guy you're going in there against. Jared Brooks is real. And to be honest with you, don't let his record deceive you in the UFC. I think he's top 10 level talent in this flyweight division. So finally, this fight gets made and <laughs> Brooks should be undefeated going into this fight. He, he should have beaten Davidson last year. As Showdown Joe pointed out, Torres has to get hit before he gets going, and that is exactly what happened. He gets cracked with a spinning back fist and has a standing body triangle applied. He lost that first round handily. Uh, sorry, I got something in my eye, folks. Uh, Brooks was really good at landing strikes in and out of transitions, like when he would go for failed takedowns or clinches. He would make Shorty Torres pay for for stuffing that takedown or for getting out of that clinch. He would separate by punching Shorty Torres's face, and I really like that. Torres is able to mat return Brooks off of, off of a spinning attack, and then Brooks lifts up Torres, and the best way I can explain it is he goes for white noise, essentially. The Sheamus move, where he... Have someone over your back and you drop them down. Obviously, the shoot version of that. And Torres's leg is draped. Essentially, the back of his thigh is draped over the head of Jared Brooks. Now, in any slam situation, you don't want the back of your head hitting the mat. You don't want the top of your head hitting the mat. You don't want the front of your head hitting the mat. You don't want your head hitting the mat. Unfortunately for Jared Brooks, that happened. And now instead of 3-0 and in the UFC, which he likely should be, the man is 1-2. and Shorty Torres knew. You could tell that he knew something was up immediately. It's like he had the wherewithal and the awareness that the back of Brooks' head hit that ground and he immediately capitalized. Because had he not, who knows how that, thing, how that would have ended up. So Shorty Torres picks up a big win. By hook or by crook, man, he got it done. So now Shorty Torres has just quite an, an impressive resume for for being an MMA such a short amount of time. Like to put this in perspective, uh, Shorty Torres has been a pro fighter about six months longer than CM Punk. And right now, Shorty Torres is uh, 7-0. Now, to be fair, Shorty Torres had his first uh, pro fight scheduled in 2015 and had three of them canceled before, and he was, uh, I think he went like 12-0 and as an amateur as well, so he's been training a lot longer than CM Punk, but I'm just saying, kind of impressive the way that works out, especially if you're a flyweight, man. If you're a flyweight and you're a pro MMA fighter and you go on a real run, you stand a chance. Now, it's interesting because Shorty Torres told us at Fightful.com that the UFC wasn't looking to sign any more flyweights. And I look at the way that some of their divisions are. I'm very outspoken about the women's featherweight and women's straw weight and women's bantamweight, really any women's division, and especially this UFC flyweight division. They, they need to build it up with talent. They really do. And Jared Brooks, it seems like he has taken the, the reins of unluckiest man in MMA, at least at flyweight, from... From Ian McCall, who just retired. I mean, he got kind of hosed in that de- decision against Davidson. And then he knocks himself out. Not a lot, I guess, he, he could have done to prevent that. To prevent that, I mean, besides not do it. 
We'll see, man. It's a big win for Shorty Torres. Congrats to him. Nathan Wood defeated Johnny Eduardo. That first round, man, it didn't look promising for Wood. It really looked like a, a father or a much older brother just bullying around someone who didn't know what they were doing yet. And I, I think the window is closed for Johnny Eduardo. And he says that that often the reason he hasn't fought much is because UFC just doesn't offer him anything. But, man, I know that he he pulled from a fight in 2011. He pulled from a fight in 2013. Uh, he pulled a, from a fight in 2015, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, he's never fought more than once a year since his UFC debut in 2011. Like, that, that you can't do that. And I think that, that win over Eddie Wineland was way too much stock was put into that. Way, way, way too much. Because, I mean, look at, look at when he faces top-level talent. A Sun Tzu, Sterling, even Matt Lopez. They all beat him, man. And now he's uh, 37 years old. He'll definitely be 38 by the next time that he fights. But anyway, it seemed like Wood's strategy was to get punched in the face after daring the veteran to do so. And, and that's what happened. Uh, I love the way that Wood sped up and went lead kick to jab. And then Eduardo got caught going for a deep half guard on a takedown attempt. But Wood laced in a Darsh choke. And um, I think it was a, he stuck in a deep half. Just applied it, man. It was really nice. Wood is a Brad Pickett product. Says that he wants to avenge some of Pickett's losses. That's cool. Desmond Green defeated Glayson T-Bell. I thought this was going to be a loser leaves fight because Green lost two in a row and T-Bell kept losing and had a drug test failure. To be fair, T-Bell won a fight where he failed a drug test, but that got overturned. <clears throat> I, you know, I thought that Green was busier, faster, more accurate, more aggressive, had better combos, even dropped T-Bow in the third round. And it's, it's weird to think Glayson T-Bow is five months younger than Tony Ferguson. I do not know how that is a thing. <laughs> five months younger than Tony Ferguson. Whew. I definitely won't miss UFC getting preempted by golf, even if it is the U.S. Open. Also, I'm really stoked to see uh, those idiots next week. And I don't like to call viewers, fans, anybody idiots, but... That are going to say, what is CM Punk? Call himself CM Punk instead of his real name. Meanwhile, they don't know who Jangleson Herculano Alves is because that's Glacen T-Bow. He's never used his real name. Chet Congo never used his real name. Bilal Muhammad defeated Chance Rencounter. I'm going to avoid any cheesy Chance Rencounter jokes. I just want to say what kind of, what kind of a troll does, do your parents have to be? To know that's the last name and know that they've been nicknamed Chance themselves before and had the puns done to them. And then you name your kid Chance Rencounter. That's demented. How dare you? Bilal Muhammad won in almost every facet of this fight, but never seemed like he wanted to finish it off. But this is in the middle of Ramadan, so I'm inclined to cut him some slack, man. I mean, the fact that he's even fighting during Ramadan, I think is just impressive as hell like that that shows you his dedication to the sport and i'm pretty sure he fought during last ramadan too and won i think he fought during i can't i don't remember when ramadan was in 2016 because it changes but um 
Yeah, he fought right after Ramadan in 2016, like literally a day and a half after. So you know that in 2016, he wasn't really enjoying anything yet. So that's like three straight Ramadans that he has fought during, and that's just supremely impressive. So hats off to Bilal Muhammad. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe on YouTube if you all don't mind. If you all haven't checked out FightfulMMA.com, highly encourage you to do that. We have all your MMA news. We have tons of exclusives on that exclusive tab. Of course, you can go to Fightful.com. where We're mostly known for our wrestling stuff, but we have a robust MMA section, a robust boxing section. Carlos Toro, one of the most talented writers in, uh, in boxing, in my estimation, and David Tease, I think, is the best live coverage guy, period. I think he's fantastic at what he does, and he's all over the beat. He picks up stuff all the time. So check out FightfulMMA.com. Give it a glance. Go use our forums. We, we don't have as much activity over there as I'd like. Just drop in over there, say hi, start a topic, or make your predictions over on our uh, live coverage page. Always looking for more engagement there. If you comment, they will come. David Teamer defeated Nick Lentz via unanimous decision. You know, shout out to 2014 when some people thought that Lentz was the answer to Conor McGregor's hype because uh, he wasn't. This fight just underwhelmed on so many levels. Tamer is now 5-0 and in the UFC. He wants a top 10 opponent, but he did before this. Hmm. Tamer was egregious in his rule breaking. He gouged Lentz's eyes twice, grabbed the fence three different times, that's really all I have to say about this. I'm not going to put over a guy's technical ability when you cheat five times in a fight, man, and you don't have any points taken away. The thing is, if he had a point taken away in the first and he had a point taken away in the third, I think he still would have won the fight. Because it would, it would have just been all evened up, man. Number two, Sajara Eubanks defeated number three, Lauren Murphy v. Unanimous Decision. I cannot believe this is the top three UFC fight. Valentina Shevchenko is going to do dirty things to this division. I'm scared of the things that 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 Valentina Shevchenko is going to do to this division. It's it's worrisome. And what Joanne Calderwood's going to do to this division. And if Joanna Janjacek dares to move up, what she would do to this division. A uh, damn. Damn, man. I see some of the striking in here. And I'm like, man, Paige Van Zant's got better technical striking than a lot of these women in this this women's flyweight division. So I don't know. They're, Paige Van Zant, maybe not as aerodynamic as she was uh, a few months ago. But, you know, this turned into a brawl pretty early, which you would think would favor Murphy, but it didn't through the first three minutes or through the duration of the fight. Just as Lauren starts to find her range, Sajara switches and takes th- takes Murphy down. Second round was a little closer, but it was still Sajara's in my estimation. Uh, Eubanks just coasted and dominated. Uh, (laughs) Did a nice finger wag. That was cool. But Eubanks wants a title shot. And this wasn't a technical masterpiece or anything. Didn't earn a title shot in my mind. When you fail on your weight cut the way that she did and have to be hospitalized and you got a Valentina Shevchenko ahead of you, then no, I don't think that that you can do that. I don't think that you're ready. I don't think that you can move into that role, essentially. So, 
Valentina Shevchenko is going to get that next title shot whenever it may happen. But, who man, uh, Sajara, I mean, at least looked good. So th- there's that. The UFC's got to be kind of happy about that. But, but uh, I, I would love to see just Nico Montano defend against Valentina and then Valentina to face Joanna, but... If for some reason Yawana gets beat by Tisha Torres, probably ain't going to happen. I could see her moving up, but then again, if she beats Tisha Torres, I don't think she will move up. I think she'll be stubborn and think that she deserves a third crack at Rose when you don't really. You don't really. Sam Alvey split decisions, John Vellante. I don't know how I feel about this one. So the thing is about Sam Alvey is, man, he's so awkward and from a technical perspective, he should not be successful in, in what he does. I had it for Volante. I know that over half of half of the media had it for Alvi, but half over half of the uh, the viewers. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy eighty percent lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for seventy seven cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Had it for Volante. Man, like I said, Alvi's success is puzzling, but there he is dropping sons of bitches, and he does that at the end of the first round, but he's just technically overmatched. Alvi is so awkward, he can make anything a battle, and he calls out Corey Anderson at top 10 UFC light heavyweight, number nine. However, uh, Anderson said that just as soon as that call out happened, that his uncle passed away. So I want to send my condolences to his friends, his family, uh, you know, even his fans, I'm sure it's going to be a tough time for him. So best wishes to his family. That, that sucks. Uh, Sam Alvey now two and Oh, in this light heavyweight division and Sam Alvey something. I don't know what he is. <laughs> he is just, man, he's 30 years old or 32 years old and he just stays active in the last two years. Let's see. He's fought 10 times in the last two years. That's unreal, man. He he had not debuted as a pro 10 years ago. But between the Ultimate Fighter and uh, his pro career, 30 or 46 fights, rather. 46 fights in 10 years. 4.6 fights a year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's like prime Neil Magny, prime Donald Cerrone rate, and he kept it up for 10 years. Man. I think he fought like eight times in 2010, so that that probably helped. But Hats off to Sam Alvey for being such a workhorse. Julio Ars submitted Daniel Tamer. Ars uh, led, led the way with some nice punches, controlled most of the fight. Of course, when <laughs> we get a finish here, at this point, I was really struggling, guys. Like this fight was was shorter. This card was shorter than most uh, from both a length perspective and a, a fights on the card perspective. But I was struggling right here. 
Uh, Ars was able to sink in a rear naked choke. He's now 2-0 in the UFC. His only two losses are to Brian Kelleher. That's kind of interesting. That's that's a neat piece of trivia that this highly touted prospect, the only guy that is has uh, beaten him, is a guy who's done pretty well for himself in, in the UFC and Brian Kelleher. So uh, I don't think he'll get another shot at a Brian Kelleher anytime soon to avenge that that those two losses. But you never know. I mean, Kelleher's coming off of a loss against Lineker. I've seen crazier things happen, but I think Julio Ar- Arce is looking very good thus far in the UFC. Up next, Ben Saunders, TKO Jake Ellenberger. This is really happening. Oh, this fight. I don't know why they put it together. Ellenberger cracked Saunders with a wild hook. I thought maybe that was the end for Saunders. And for some reason, Ellenberger clinched with Saunders. What? Why would you do that, man? Why would you do that? I need the liver crumpled Ellenberger. And, you know, he's a former Edmund project i'm not going to say a product because it, it, the downfall of his career was an edmund product and edmund was somewhere screaming liver movement punches it's a shame he needs to do something besides fighting he is two and nine in his last 11 ben saunders cut this post-fight promo and screamed nobody dedicates their life to mma only me ah! I get the feeling some other people have dedicated their lives to MMA. But congrats to him. It's his first finish since 2014. So I'm sure he was pretty psyched about that. I heard he cut a pretty crazy backstage promo as well. But look at a Ben Saunders, man. I remember him fighting like way back in the day. Like, shoot, dude. I remember him fighting Ryan Thomas like a decade ago. And then he had that that Bellator run that lasted a couple years and went back to the UFC even after he lost that tournament. So it's good to see him get back in the win column at the very least. He is he is passionate, but even though this was a quick finish, it was just like, man, a fight that probably shouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? I felt a little guilty. I felt a little dirty watching this. Watching this just... Ugh. I just felt gross, bro. Walt Harris TKO's Daniel Spitz round two. The first round of this fight sucked. And 16 minutes from the end of Saunders' weird promo to the start of this fight, literally nothing happened for about nine minutes until Harris uncorked a combo. Dropped Spitz, and then Harris followed up with some nasty, nasty elbows. Now, Walt Harris beat Cody East, who is just a perennial Domestic abuser. So he's on my 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 Christmas card list, so to speak. And I, I remember how excited Walt Harris was uh, it, and just emotional he was after getting that win. Because he, he went through his first UFC run in 2013, 2014, and he lost. He lost to Jared Rochalt and Nikita Krylov. Had his one fight in Titan and made it back that year. Lost in his return, and they still kept him, even though he lost to Hulk Pulele. And then he got that win over Cody East and would go on and win three of his next four. So 
he was on quite a roll, and then he took that fight. It was really a no-lose situation against Verdum, and he got submitted almost immediately. Got DQ'd in the Mark Godbeer fight because of an illegal head kick. So he's had a rough go of it, especially the last year in a couple of fights. One where he got he got DQ'd, just an absence of paying attention. He got beat by Verdum. It, it was in that split decision against Abdurakimov that was, you know, it was close, but he got back in the win column, and he's going to be a guy that that hangs around in this division. But uh, Spitz landed three really decent strikes, and really not much else happened. This was uh, a lot of in out, in out, but didn't didn't look good for Daniel Spitz. I'll tell you that much because. He got split open and was taken to the back. He's he's now one and two in the UFC, but he's only been a pro for a couple of years. And he's a twenty-seven-year-old, six-foot-seven guy. He's real big and lean, eighty-two-inch reach. He, I think eventually he puts it together. I mean, he's got some nice tools, but oh, this was a nasty one for him. Gregor Gillespie defeats or submits Vince Pichel round two. Gillespie scored with a couple of really nice takedowns and moves around the guard rather easily. Even when Pachel got up and stuffed a takedown, Gillespie had a great second and third effort, was able to turn the corner, take Vince down. In the second round, we see more of the same, and then uh, Gillespie instead moves over to the arm triangle and just really wrapped it up. I love me a good arm triangle. Gillespie, now 5-0 and in the UFC, he completely jobbed out Pachel, and Pachel was had four wins in a row in the UFC. That's not easy, man, especially in this lightweight division. A lot of people ask me, where does a Gillespie go from here? Well, he wants a top 10 opponent, I think. I think he'll likely get a top 15 opponent, maybe a James Vick, someone who can possibly neutralize that wrestling, maybe, or at least they think would, or an Alexander Hernandez. like An Alexander Hernandez who popped up into that UFC Top 15, even though he only has one win against Darius. So I think that if if Hernandez is able to get past uh, Abin Mercier, then we could definitely see Hernandez against him. And Abin Mercier is another one of those guys. It's like they're putting him in their sink or swim after that, that Dunham fight because uh, he's been finishing guys lately. I mean, he, uh, Abin Mercier has a history of finishing people when he when he gets in there, so... That's something we're seeing out of that lightweight division. It sure as hell is something that we saw out of this Bantamweight division. Jimmy Rivera told a story on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, courtesy of James Lynch. You all can see the full interview over at FightfulMMA.com. Click that exclusives tab, pull it up. He tells about the process of, of how the Marias fight happened because he was supposed to fight Dominic Cruz. Cruz withdrew to injury. This is UFC 219. Lineker was replacing him. And then he had to withdraw as well. And then Marlon Marias threw his name in the hat only to make several concessions. It, he said, and then Rivera said 138. They said, no, they said 140. No, 145. no, January 20th, no. I tried to figure out somebody else for January 20th. Fight didn't happen. So when Rivera was offered the fight in February, he passed on it because of issues that surrounded the fight. 
talked about all this beef with Ali Abdelaziz, who obviously has a big hand in a lot of the fighters that he manages, especially their social media. However, Rivera got a new contract because of this fight. So uh, that's a big reason of why it went down and why they were still trying to get things going for Jimmy Rivera. And because originally Jimmy Rivera was just going to wait around for Dominic Cruz. But he got a new contract, and probably a good thing he got it before this fight. Just immediately, Marlon Marais head kicks uh, Jimmy Rivera, follows him to the ground with ground and pound, and that's a wrap. Rivera tried to protest the stoppage initially. There was nothing to protest, man. Nothing there. Cheers, y'all. Stay hydrated. Mm -hmm. It was a good stoppage. What can you say? Just clipped Rivera on the top of the head with that kick right across the shin. It was beautiful. You have to remember something about Marlon Marias. He He's another guy. I brought up how Jared Brooks should have been undefeated coming into that fight. Marlon Marias should be undefeated in the UFC. He should be 4-0 in the UFC right now. I thought he beat a Sun Sal. He defended that World Series of Fighting Bantamweight Championship Five times in a row. Should have been six, but uh, Cody Bollinger missed weight. He beat Miguel Torres back in back when it meant a little bit of something, at least, to beat a Miguel Torres. He was, I mean, it was his first fight after uh, the UFC. But, I mean... Marlon Marias has a real chance, I think. He has a real chance. If, if it were up to me, Marlon Marias gets the title shot. I don't think Cody Garbrandt deserves the title shot. I'm tired of this carousel, hokey-pokey horse shit between TJ Dillashaw, Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt, even dating back to Uriah Faber. I am tired of that carousel where they just got to fight each other and fight each other and fight each other and fight each other. And Cody Garbrandt, Loses the title via KO in the second round after he never successfully defended the title. It took him 11 months or 10 10 months to defend the title. Never fights again and then gets a shot. What was it? Nine months after he lost it? No, No win in between. You have Rivera, who if he gave him a title shot, it would have been okay. If he gave him a rise title shot. Yeah, maybe would have had a problem with that, but why not? Lineker, even though he's lost to to TJ Dillashaw, he's definitely he's I think he's more qualified than than Garbrandt because he's won since then. Ah, uh, man. I mean the night that TJ Dillashaw beat John Lineker was the night the the night that Cody Garbrandt had his last victory in the UFC. I just don't think he deserves it. And I had a lot of people saying, well, he was winning the first round until he got knocked. Doesn't matter. That's not what the end result said. Doesn't matter. So yeah, there you go. At that UFC event, actually, I probably will likely be covering that event via podcast the day after as I... I have a seminar to attend that day. Can't really get out of that, but at Bantamweight Division, man, look at it. 
I don't know if Cruz will ever fight again. I have no idea what that guy wants. I know he's like, you know, I think I'll wait for a title shot. Well, no guy. No guy. You you probably shouldn't because you didn't fight all of 2017. It's been a year and a half since you lost your title. No. No. It's not the way it works. Sorry. But still, he's a great fighter. You have a Sun Sal, you have Jimmy Rivera, who's still very dangerous. Lineker, Dodson, Aljamain Sterling starting to come into his own. I think Brian Caraway, I think that's where the elite kind of just falls off. You know what I mean? But that top eight, I see something really special. Although I will say, Brian Caraway, even in his loss to Cody Stamen, his shot was very, very quick. And that can get him pretty far in that division. Woo! Man, Marlon Marias looked incredible. Incredible. Guys, of course, I want to encourage you to check out the Holy Smokes MMA podcast every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Fightful.com. Myself, Showdown Joe, World MMA Award nominated for Journalist of the Year one year. We chat it up. We chop it up. We have some pros picks. We have some guests. James Lynch does some incredible work for us. Uh, if you all want to support Fightful.com, you can go to Fightful Select. But if you uh, maybe don't want to support financially, I'll just recommend if you're interested in any of our stories that you see, hop in there and just drop a comment. Just say, I agree, I disagree. I can't tell you how much that helps. When people see comments, they, they like to get engaged. They like to join the discussion. And that makes a more robust community for all of us. Hop over on the forums. Just say Hi. Say, yeah, I like this. Yeah, I didn't like that. We have sports forums, video game forums. Going to really make a push to make those more active this summer. Guys, thank you all so much. You all can uh, definitely subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell for the notification. We're on Player FM, iHeartRadio. Pretty sure we're on Spotify. We're on a little bit of everything. Thank you guys so much. Until next time. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.